Welcome to the very first episode of this podcast, which is a collaboration between the Education Endowment Foundation and Evidence-Based Education. In this pilot episode and in future episodes, we're going to explore a specific piece of information or guidance within the EEF suite of resources and try to bring that to life through discussion with others. In addition, we'll be providing brief updates from the network of research schools around England to find out what they're doing to support the use of evidence to improve teaching practice. So my name is Jamie Scott from Evidence-Based Education and the focus of this episode is metacognition and self-regulated learning. And we're going to start things off with a chat with Alex Quigley. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, um, I'm Alex Quigley. I'm a senior associate at the EEF. Um, I was one of the co-authors of the Metacognition and Self-Regulation Guidance Report. Um, I've just joined the EEF. Um, Formerly, I was director of Huntington Research School and I've been an English teacher for 15 years. Okay, so Alex, let's get straight into it. The Education Endowment Foundation Toolkit lists metacognition and self-regulation approaches as having consistently high levels of impact with pupils making, on average, seven months of additional progress over a 12-month period. So the potential is really significant. And in talking to you, I'd like to put myself in the position of a teacher who wants to understand more about what it is and how I could implement the approach effectively in my classroom. So Alex, my first question is about the name itself. The toolkit refers to both metacognition and self-regulated learning. What's the difference between those two things? Okay, so I think self-regulation uh, is the umbrella term um, that contains metacognition within it. So if you take self-regulated learning, actually it's all those behaviours um, that a child undertakes as they learn. Um, it includes um, subject knowledge, it includes metacognition, the strategies and, and choices a child makes, but it also includes things like motivation, um, self-control, emotion. Um, so it's a pretty broad and, and obviously crucial area um, for teachers to understand. Metacognition sits underneath it. Um, and the clue is in is in the word, really. So you've got cognition, what you know, your subject knowledge. Uh, metacognition are the strategies and choices that you, you take with that subject knowledge. So if a child is undertaking a... Um, mathematical equation, then they need to select the right strategy. So it might be if they're doing um, a young child in primary school is uh, has got a tricky dividing question, they might select the bus stop method. And selecting that method is metacognitive. Evaluating whether it's the right method for the job, um, knowing whether it's worked, trying to evaluate your answer, all of those things are metacognitive. Um, so it's it's how you think about your thinking. Um, and the strategies and choices that you make. And the problem with it, I think, is that we're being metacognitive all the time and therefore it's present as we learn. It's in every school day and every act almost. And I think we need to better understand it, get really sharp on what it looks like in the classroom and name it really clearly. And then we can start to be more explicit about supporting a child to be more metacognitive, to better plan, to better monitor how they're doing, to better evaluate whether they've done something well and and what they're going to take with their learning forward so that they become better and better and better. Right then, so does it come down to simply planning, monitoring and evaluating learning or is that unhelpfully simplistic? Um, I think being simple is really important. I think 
Um, teachers are really busy, so we want to get sharp, clear answers to things. Um, I think it's really important and helpful in this sense to say that that's half the story uh, and almost the second half of the story. If we just go back one step, I think um, there's a three-step process, metacognitive knowledge, um, and those three things, knowledge of the task, knowledge of strategies for that task, and knowledge of yourself. Um, and if we just take metacognitive knowledge um, to a simple everyday activity, so it might be how I travelled um, to get here today. So if I took that task, I knew what time I needed to get here. I need to get here for um, one in the afternoon. Um, I also knew a little bit about the map. I knew where I was going in the first instance, so I didn't need to use strategies um, like satellite navigation, etc. Um, I could have got the bus. I could have um, driven, but my strategy um, was to take my car. Um, and in terms of myself and my own ability, well, I knew I could drive, um, but also emotionally, I wanted to make sure I was on time, get here a little bit early. So just when we undertake a simple daily task, we're always bringing metacognitive knowledge about ourselves, about the task itself, and about the strategies that we have. Really effective learners do this implicitly all the time, and it's often tacit knowledge. What a great teacher does in the classroom, whether they're teaching um, kings and queens in history, whether they're teaching um, multiplication in mathematics, they make really clear the different strategies, they're really aware and they help the child understand the complexity of the task, and they also carefully help the child understand their own emotions, their own you know, motivations towards the task. So metacognitive knowledge is the first half of the story, that's our one, two, three, um, and then we get to, another fancy term, apologies, metacognitive regulation, and that is actually that plan, monitor, and evaluate. If I go back to my example of how I got here today, well, the metacognitive regulation kicks in once I've started that journey. So I've got my plan in place and I set off in my car and I'm following my plan and all the way I'm monitoring. Am I going to be on time? Is the traffic busy? Are York races gonna hold me up um, at the final furlong? Um, and then evaluation, you know, once I get there, did I make it on time? Did I go the right route? What, you know, would I go the same way again in the same instance? Um, and again, what teachers do all the time, you know, often without realizing it, were constantly, you know, nudging children through this metacognitive regulation. And actually, we the better, more explicit we are, the better children understand different tasks. And over time, they seem to take these processes on. And the more explicit we are, the more guided we are in modeling uh, metacognitive knowledge and metacognitive regulation, then the better you know, our children become as learners and the more independent they become. Okay, so already now, as is human nature, I'm immediately trying to make sense of what you said and I'm forming judgments about it building on my own pre-existing experiences and knowledge. In your experience, what are the common misconceptions about metacognition and self-regulated learning, and how might they be unhelpful? Okay, I think, I think one common misconception is that you can teach metacognition separately and, and generally. Um, often, these kind of manifest themselves as thinking skills, um, you know, lessons in school where you take approaches to, you, you're given a problem 
and you're given different strategies to tackle it. Um, and if successful, that gives you a bit of a boost. And then the notion being that you would go into mathematics and you're given a mathematics problem and you'd be able to take how you felt, your motivation, some of the strategies from that um, problem you were given in your thinking skills lesson and you're able to transfer it. What we know is that, you know, children and adults actually really struggle to transfer skills across different domains. Actually, metacognition, the clue is in the word, rests on your cognition, your subject knowledge. So if you're going to tackle a complex maths problem, actually what's crucial first, what's the foundation, is that you've got good number sense. You've got different strategies to unpick that problem. You can read the words in the question. You can link it to questions similar that you've tackled in the past. So metacognition is very grounded in subject um, specific knowledge and understanding. And I think that means that you can't just teach metacognition separately and expect a child to be metacognitive in all the different areas of the curriculum. I think another really common misconception is that metacognition is a higher order thinking skill for older um, pupils. Um, Actually, what we know is that very young children, from as young as four or five, are metacognitive. They appraise a task. They make judgments. You know, they might throw the you know the toy out of the cot. Um, bit of act of metacognition. Um, and actually, we we know that very older um, pupils, all the way up to university graduates, still. Um, don't deploy effective metacognitive strategies. Um, we know at university that children, uh, that students are often overconfident in how much they know. They're not necessarily always using good independent revision strategies. Um, most commonly um, at university, um, students reread their notes, they highlight their notes, when actually a lot of the evidence around effective learning would indicate that they're inefficient strategies. Um, so, you know, it's not about older um, pupils and, and students at university being metacognitive just through maturity. Actually, it starts early and how you develop it often comes down to how well that's modelled and trained by a really good teacher. And so... Um, it's not just about teaching, as you said, sort of an approach, and it is very much subject-specific or, or, or task-specific. So from what I've read, the metacognition and self-regulation approaches that have been evaluated do tend to involve applying strategies to specific tasks involving uh, the subject knowledge that's so important, rather than just the generic thinking skills. So can you now give us an example of how the approach could be applied to something specific? Okay, so let's take um, GCSE examination. So today, you know, children across the country are being given GCSE grades. Um, and as an English teacher myself, I know you know many children who sat there and they've sat in English literature examination. Um, let's take a Shakespeare essay. And what we know is that the child has gone into that room and they've brought a huge amount, you know, years and years of studying Shakespeare and trying to distill it into an essay in little more than an hour. Um, and what they bring in terms of the metacognition, in terms of planning, in terms of checking whether their response is um, effective, whether it's a good essay and evaluating it if they've 
um, hopefully have a little bit of time at the end of that examination. All of those strategies are very subject specific because actually you can't plan a good essay without having that knowledge of Shakespeare's social context, of the quotations you needed to remember, um, of what the question was asking, of different you know, themes and ideas that typically attend um, these um, examination questions. And then the monitoring as you go through that examination, again, it requires lots of that subject-specific cognition, that knowledge um, around what a good essay looks like, around what good Shakespearean knowledge the examiner um, is wanting you to draw out, about how to connect you know, one of Hamlet's quotations to a really clever link um, between themes and ideas and, and social context. And then evaluating how much time you have um, again, it comes down to how well you know how well you can have a mental model of what a really good essay looks like under those time conditions. So, you know, whenever we're talking about metacognition, we're talking about very specific tasks. The notion, the language of planning, monitoring, and evaluating um, seems quite generic, but the application is always very task specific. So my thinking is developing as I as I listen to you talking about it, and um, it's really interesting. I think because you know people are doing this all of the time. Some people are just more aware of it than others. So it feels to me that some people are very present in what they're doing, and some people might be freestyling or just on autopilot. And I think it's very easy as a as a as a human being to be on autopilot in in activity. So what I'm wondering is, can you teach someone to be better and and more aware of of what they're doing? Yeah, I think the evidence that underpins the guidance report um, undertaken by um, Professor Daniel Merce and Christine Bockhove, they looked at, I think it was around 1,300 studies. And what's quite consistent is that if you teach, explicitly teach metacognitive strategies, that children over time become more metacognitive. Actually, the evidence shows that teachers um, become more metacognitive over time as well in the act of teaching. Um, and one example for me would be, I've seen a lesson before, um, it was um, a lesson about um, drawing a self-portrait. Um, I was observing an art teacher, and it's probably the best um, lesson I've, I've seen, I can remember seeing in 15 years. Um, and on one level, it was quite simple, in that what the teacher did, incredibly skillfully, was just to walk through, to model the process of that drawing. And, and what he did... First, he talked about the task, um, and the children um, were quite familiar around portraits and self-portraits. Um, he walked through the different strategies, why they were using um, pencil, for example. Um, and actually, then he, he, he went to that step of planning, monitoring, and evaluation. He did it in a way that didn't um, explicitly use you know, the terms monitoring, evaluation. But what he did brilliantly was verbalise um, each step of the planning process, you know, and then he was verbalising as he was doing the drawing himself. Um, the evaluation at the end, he really involved the children in evaluating the sketch he'd quickly done. Um, and it was seemingly intuitive, and probably for that teacher may, may be quite intuitive, but what he did was, in his questions, 
verbalized you know planning out loud so you know what had he done before um for such a self-portrait well he'd apportioned lines he created a little grid um, before he really got into um shaping the face um his monitoring as he as he was going he was just asking those little questions around proportion around the depth of shading and the children were listening they were engaging they were answering questions and all along what he was doing was he was actually training them to think and to be metacognitive during that task now if you'd have asked those children 50 minutes earlier to do a self-portrait they'll have been able to do a self-portrait and I'm sure it has been okay and many children would have been metacognitive in doing so and have done a good job many would not but having gone through his modeling process what I watched in that lesson was children being metacognitive for 30 minutes, carefully, step by step, breaking down this complex art task into small steps. And, and it was really skillful. And by the end, they were being evaluative and they were comparing with one another on the table. They were looking back at um, the teacher's example. And no one mentioned the word metacognition in the entire lesson. But what I came away with was how skilled the teacher had been at training children to be metacognitive. So we know from individual studies and um, the meta-analyses as well that there can be a really significant positive impact in using these strategies in metacognition and self-regulation. What I'm interested in is what's the difference between having a small positive impact with this and having a really significant positive impact and, and getting that sort of seven months learning gain over over 12. What's the difference? Um, I think that's quite a tricky one to answer. I think there are, there are always real key active ingredients that are essential for success. And I think given metacognition um, is so you know involved with you know, the emotions of learning, with subject knowledge with motivation all these complex different factors it's quite tricky to kind of isolate what are those active ingredients you must have i think if we were to try and draw those out i think what you appear to see in the evidence base is that the teaching of metacognition is explicit it is structured it is cumulative and, and what that requires is actually teachers to be quite deeply trained and it requires pretty much most teachers in a given school to be really strongly aware of an understanding metacognition and the different strategies and then training consistently over time. So there needs to be a real clear high quality CPD and shared language but that actually pupils need lots and lots of practice and that requires every it might be every teacher in a primary school so a child who goes from year two three four has that consistency of approach year on year whereas in a secondary school you know a pupil's going from subject to subject and that there are common approaches to planning there are common focused approaches to how a child might monitor their learning and, and evaluate um, what I've seen in, in quite a few schools is that when there is an analysis of, of how well we do this already, that teachers are quite honest that there's a bit of a variable knowledge of metacognition, quite understandably, um, and that actually we do some things well. So planning seems to be done consistently well, whereas a child genuinely evaluating their learning seems to fall away because people don't have the time, not quite sure how to do it well. 
Um, but where you see in the projects where it's really strong and consistent, there's real rigor and structure. There's real kind of sense of real precise detail at every step of the learning process and really knowing what metacognition is. Thank you, Alex. Finally, I would just like to ask, um, where could we find out more about metacognition and self-regulation in terms of looking for resources and further reading? Okay, so I think in helping write the guidance report, what we recognised is there's a huge amount of research on metacognition and very little in terms of practical resources and tools for teachers. And, and that knowing and doing gap is really crucial and we need to close that gap. I think the guidance report is a great starting point. I know research schools are doing training um, around metacognition, um, which is three days long and really um, gets deep into the nuts and bolts of the guidance. Um, but also we'll be producing more tools and resources that will be um, available on the EF website. So we want to have some more general tools to help schools review and, and understand where they are in terms of metacognition, what their teachers might know and not know. Um, and also we need to get down to the level of phase-specific and subject-specific tools and resources. So really get into the nitty-gritty of what metacognition looks like in the classroom. Um, and that's, that's going to happen over the coming months. And we also want people to engage in that process. And we think there'll be a lot of expertise. There is a lot of expertise around the country undertaking this work very skillfully. And we're looking to tap into that expertise. Okay, Alex, we're starting to, to come to a close now and um, I came to talk to you about to better my understanding of metacognition and self-regulation so I want you in the role of teacher to ask me some questions or give me some sort of activity um, to, to, to see if I've bettered that understanding. Okay I'll, I'll play teacher okay so Jamie just quick easy question then how did you prepare for this podcast? Right so I knew what we were going to talk about metacognition and self-regulation and um, I am not an expert in that so um, to prepare I um, read up a little bit about it so I had a look on the EEF website started with the toolkit and went a bit further I looked at the, um, the, the guide that's available the guidance report I knew I couldn't become a, an expert uh, on the subject itself but I just needed to familiarize myself with it so I uh, the objective that I had was to be able to ask some sensible questions of you, I mm. suppose. And so I needed to know enough about it to be able to form those questions. Mm. And so um, I needed some questions. Mm. And so that's that's what I did. Um, I, I knew I needed a microphone and, um, and a recording device. Mm. Um, so, so I had to get those and make sure that I, I knew how to use those mm. because I didn't want to talk to you and not having press record or something and, mm. and waste everyone's time um and that's uh, and then I, I needed to get here mm. and so there were some logistical things so it, it seems quite seamless now that you piece all those things together was that a nice clear process or was it a bit bumbling were you well organized and um, you a well-oiled machine i i'm not i think there's 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 a part of me that's definitely sort of freestyles a, a little bit but um I suppose once I started to get into it, kind of, it all started to come together. Mm. I think. And, I, and I think what's, what's helpful and why metacognition, when you break it down into small steps and you can get it right and use it in the classroom so powerful, is that everything you've just described is, is the process of metacognitive knowledge. So you first thought about the task, 
you knew what you had to talk about. You knew you knew about yourself. You didn't know enough about it, so you had to find out more. In terms of strategies, you knew where to look to find out more information. And then also in terms of the task, you knew some of the technical, practical aspects of it, so you broke that down. And, and actually, when you start to break down and give headings for these things, actually we can start to take what is a complex, messy thing that's quite you know difficult for some people, easier for others, but we can give it clear labels and steps. And then actually, once it gives us then the language to evaluate it, and, and that's what being metacognitive is. It's being really conscious of, of your thinking. It's being really, I, I think the term um, using common sense, but you know, common sense is, isn't very common. Yeah. Um, and metacognition gives you a framework to think okay. more effectively. And actually, so getting even further into it, you asked how I planned for the podcast. What's quite interesting that I'm reflecting on now is that the questions that I formed in the moment, the sort of the monitoring part of this exercise, I suppose, I, I needed to, to refine the questions because they weren't necessarily structured in the best way to, mm. to, to make sure that the conversation flowed in, in a sensible way. So that there was an element of monitoring going mm. on there, there as well. And I suppose the evaluation part if we're going to go through the sort of mm. the three part of the process, is, is going to come um, when I get back and, and I listen to it, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Uh, well, and I think what's useful is that actually now you're, you've got labels for things. You can start to compartmentalise some of the challenges that you've got. And, and that's what metacognition does. It offers us a framework to better you know, learn to be more effective in the daily tasks that we undertake. And I think the problem with it is that it's hidden in plain sight, that really good learners in school from a quite young age are doing this quite efficiently. Um, and then actually, and some aren't. And, and over time, if it's not taught explicitly, then actually the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And some children, just those children who are just very good at school and those children who aren't, and they're a bit bumbling, and they're a bit disorganised, and, and they lose a grade here, and they don't do homework there. And, and, and actually, this offers us a real scaffold, a real structure to improve learning. And I think in schools, we've got a new, bigger, harder curriculum. Teachers are grappling with how to kind of share that knowledge and understanding. Pupils are struggling with it. I think that's kind of common experience. What metacognition does is offer us a framework to tackle that complexity, to break it down to small steps. It is a bit messy. It is a little bit complicated, but that's why we need really high quality training around it. And I think actually it's integral to understanding learning and to building our curriculum to teaching really well. After my chat with Alex, he suggested that I get in touch with Megan Dixon. Megan is Director of Literacy at the Aspire Educational Trust. And so I spoke to Megan about how some of the metacognitive strategies and self-regulation strategies can be applied in literacy learning. Hi, Megan. Hi, Jamie. Megan, I've just been speaking to Alex Quigley about metacognition and self-regulation to find out more about what it is and how it can be applied in the day-to-day -day practice of teachers. So following our chat, he suggested I ask you about the SRSD approach to writing and why it's useful. Would you mind talking me through that, please? So SRSD puts together the cognition of writing, the nuts and bolts that we need to know, the metacognition, the plan, planning, monitoring and evaluating the process, and 
helps add and support with the motivational aspect of it too, as writers are supported to notice the bits they found hard and develop uh, self-talk, little words and phrases and mottos they can use to keep themselves going at a point of difficulty. SRSD um, is widely used in the USA um, and was trialled in this country, in, in England, in a large EEF trial which had really, really successful outcome with um, an effect size of 0.74, which means it's something that really we should be really thinking about, um, particularly for learners in Key Stage 2 and Key Stage 3. It's something that we've developed in our trust and is really effective in supporting both teachers and uh, the children that we work with to get some really successful outcomes in writing in any genre and any with any approach, non-fiction or fiction or even poetry. Megan, can this or, or how does this translate to other aspects of literacy learning like reading comprehension strategies? Well, we can really focus on metacognition and metacognitive and self-regulatory thinking when we're teaching reading comprehension. Because if we think about that plan, um, monitor and evaluate cycle that sits under underpins metacognition, that sits at the heart of what we know really good comprehenders do. We know that when um, someone sits down who's a really good comprehender to understand a text, they're already activating their prior knowledge about what the text is going to do, the sorts of things they might find out, the things they want to get from it, and activating their knowledge about what they might do if they find something that they don't understand or don't agree with or that doesn't sit with their current understanding of that topic or subject. As someone's reading, they are constantly, as a good comprehender, monitoring their own comprehension and their own reading processes. So at the back of their mind, subconsciously, they're always thinking, does that make sense? Does that look right? Does that fit with what I've already know? Does that fit with what was before the text? Does that fit with my predictions? And if at any point that chimes a response when they think, oh, no, that doesn't quite work, really effective comprehenders have lots and lots of ways of going back and checking. So they're constantly monitoring their own understanding and then constantly repairing their understanding if they don't, if they realise that they've got it wrong. And then at the end, they evaluate the process. So they will sit back and say, this was a good text because, or I learned this from this text, or this helped me in this way, and, and evaluate how effective they were at, at doing this. And you know, you know that when you sit there late at night and you've read two pages of a book and all of a sudden you realise you've not taken in a word. You're evaluating your process as you go and, and monitoring your, your thinking and your strategies. So we can do this and teach this when we are teaching comprehension, when we are working with students to develop their really effective reading comprehension skills. And actually, it's really important that we do. One of the strategies that's quite often used is a strategy that was developed again in the States um, by two researchers, Paliscar and Brown. And they developed a again a, a cycle a mnemonic that's called reciprocal teaching reciprocal teaching gives us another structure another form that we can use to 
help prompt thinking and metacognitive behaviours when understanding reading. It can be applied to any text and in any situation. It starts off with a prediction, so thinking aloud or, or thinking internally what sort of things might we expect from this text or this next paragraph, predicting what it might be involved and what we might find out. And then after reading, we would encourage students to clarify, so to notice any vocabulary or phrases or parts of the text that didn't work for them, that they didn't understand in that context, and to resolve that challenge, make sure that they understand every part of it. Then they would question their understanding and question what's built up, developing a deeper layer of comprehension and inference. And then finally, I would summarise that. Typically, if I'm working with students, I would work paragraph by paragraph, and the summary would be a short subtitle, which kind of condenses the extract, the, the meaning of, of the paragraph that was in front. And this kind of paying really close attention as you're reading, again, is quite time consuming, but it serves to emphasise the processes that really effective readers really effective comprehenders seem to do as they're approaching close reading of a text. I'm not talking about skimming and scanning to find out where information is here. I'm talking about really reading deeply, closely to understand. Thank you, Megan. That's really helping me break down my own understanding and, and to understand how it can be applied. Um, Finally, do you have any other thoughts or suggestions for, for, for teachers interested in metacognition and self-regulation? I think that metacognition and self-regulation and, and teaching this explicitly in the classroom is actually really difficult. Um, and we can pay really close attention as practitioners to how we talk, because as we're talking to and with children, we can be constantly modelling these processes. So, for example, rather than just giving children a list of instructions, we can start off by saying, okay, how might we plan to do this? What might we need? Who are we going to write for? Who is this text written for? What do we expect to find when we are involved in this activity or this process or to produce this piece of work at the end and then we can encourage all the way through children to be monitoring their own understanding that helps us too as well because if they're if they're the children the students are monitoring their own understanding and and articulating that aloud it helps us with our assessment of where their understandings are and then evaluating the process too and we can achieve this through sort of general often metacognitive talk and real talk not talking at but talking with and littering our conversation, digging deeper and asking students constantly to think about why they understand something and how they understand something, why they've made a decision that, that might be different from their others. And I'm really exploring not just the actual out of learn, actual knowledge that they've learned or the, the skills that they've learned, the things that, I, that they've memorized, but how they've memorized it and how that's made them feel and which aspects were more effective. Robin Alexander um, from the University of Cambridge has studied this in a huge amount and he uh, describes discussion and debate in terms of dialogic teaching and backwards and forwards where everyone 
within the class comes to a general and mutual understanding and deeper understanding is really effective. It's really difficult to do um, and can take, again, time, but I think it's time that's really well spent. Um, it doesn't just happen there. We have to think about it. Um, and it's, I think, one of the hardest things I've learned to do as a practitioner in the classroom. Thank you, Megan. I mean, like you said, the the, um, the learning gains that have been shown from the research evidence really do suggest that it is worth trying to invest that time that it takes to, to do this really well and to do it properly and to make it explicit in everybody's teaching and learning. Thank you so much for, for talking us through it and, and helping me with my understanding and, and developing that further. Before you go, Jamie, I've just had a thought. It's really interesting to think about the fact that although we're there is a lot of evidence to show that we can really support learners if we develop their metacognitive thinking and their self-regulation as, as learners. We can do that as well as practitioners ourselves. So using these metacognitive processes to be really reflective about how we're, how successful we are in the classroom, planning small tweaks and changes, evaluating and monitoring our progress as we teach, Yes, monitoring the progress of the children and the young people or the young people in front of us, but also monitoring our own progress. Did we manage to engage that level of talk or interaction that they will, we had planned to? And then evaluating at the end our own learning as well as the learning of the children in front of us. It's a constant cycle that goes around all the time. It's something that I think makes teaching endlessly fascinating. Well, what a meta end to our chat about metacognition and self-regulation. Thank you very much, Megan. Take care. I really enjoyed finding out more about metacognition and self-regulation. It's prompted me to think about the relationship between metacognition and self-regulation and cognitive load theory. We know that human processing power is limited. So, given a complex problem or task, many learners will have too much to think about. They become overloaded and will struggle to find a solution unless they're able to break down a task or problem into smaller parts, unless they're aware of the limitations in their knowledge and have strategies and processes to structure and sequence their approach. But we're drawing to a close now, not before we get a quick update from Caroline Creeby from Sandringham Research School and Roger Higgins of Norwich Research School to find out about their current work. Funnily enough, our work recently has involved supporting schools with metacognition and self-regulation. Uh, we were particularly inspired by the EEF's new guidance report on metacognition and self-regulation. Um, we obviously knew beforehand from the EEF's toolkit how powerful um, this can be to support students to make progress further. And we found that the guidance report articulated so clearly what metacognition is and its component parts. And so during the summer, uh, we hosted two twilight events for teachers, um, which gave them a whistle-stop tour of the guidance and the recommendations involved. Uh, both sold out rather quickly. And I must say at the events themselves, all of the delegates and the teachers asked so many questions and they were really interested in the different dimensions of the guidance. Uh, to us, that revealed um, a genuine appetite of teachers and school leaders to find out more and to know more. Um, this month, in fact, on Friday the 28th of September, we're hosting a whole day course looking at the guidance report. 
Uh, we wanted to extend it to a whole day to give delegates more time to delve into each part and consider how the recommendations translate into classroom practice and to have a look at some of the examples and models that they might use in their own classroom. Um, if teachers are interested in finding out more about this event or indeed any others at the Sandringham Research School, our website, sandringham.researchschool.org.uk has a list of all our events. Hello, uh, my name is Roger and I work at Norwich Research School. Coming up this term, specifically linked to metacognition, you might be interested in joining us for our free twilight exploring the EEF guidance report on metacognition and self-regulated learning. Check out our website for how to book, uh, but it is free and it's running in early October. We'll also be continuing for the second year the Norwich and Norfolk Research Leads Network, which meets half-termly. Quite a few schools in the area are looking at how to train and uh, embed uh, staff practice in metacognition in their schools and the Research Leads Network will give you an opportunity to hear how fellow schools are doing that to share challenges and to share ideas. You uh, might be interested to know that we are running our second cohort of a CPD programme called Long Term Learning which has a heavy emphasis on metacognition. Uh, while we're running, we're already in with a big cohort, we're probably going to repeat day one of that training. So there's still an opportunity for you to catch up and join that cohort. Get in touch with us again via the website to find out more. And finally, it may interest you to know that we're working with uh, much more sort of intensive support with 10 primary schools in Norwich um, to train up a senior member of staff as a research lead and a number of them are choosing to lead work focused on metacognitive strategies. So it's really exciting and we're looking forward to helping those schools uh, deliver what should be high impact approaches in their classrooms. Thank you. That's it for this podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you found it interesting and useful. If you haven't already got your copy, you can download the EEF Metacognition and Self-Regulation Guidance Report from the Education Endowment Foundation website. I'd like to thank all of our guests, Alex Quigley, Megan Dixon, Caroline Creeby and Roger Higgins. Thanks also to the Institute for Effective Education at York for their help with the logistics. Finally, we'd love to hear your feedback. Was the podcast too long? Should we have gone into more detail or was it just right? Similarly, if you have any suggestions for the topic of a future podcast, then please get in touch. <laughs>